are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. What do you mean you can't speak? down and talk to me, Zachariah. You went to the temple to burn incense and now you can't speak. Hmm. Because you doubted. (laughs) What does that even mean? You doubted what an angel told you. Oh, now it's all making sense. (laughs) Are you feeling all right? Maybe you should sit down. Oh, I should sit down. Listen, whatever game you're playing, I really wanted to stop, Zachariah. It isn't funny. This isn't funny, Zachariah. An angel told you this. The angel said that our prayers have been heard. That you, my love, will bear a son. we will be filled with joy and gladness and that many will rejoice at his birth. (laughs) He will be like Elijah. He will prepare our people for the Lord. to be a mother. And you, you can't even speak. Oh, you can't even speak until he's born. (laughs) Oh, that might not be the worst thing. I can't wait to tell my cousin Mary. Call him Zachariah, yes? Names can influence who we are. 
influence how we are treated by the world. They can influence our behavior. You know, if you don't believe that, then just take a look at a new grandpa. You know, I remember uh, not too long ago, John Camp had a grandchild, and every time you asked John about his grandchild, he would say, she sure loves his grandpa. And I heard him say it to probably 100 people in this church, the same line over and over and over again. Because there's an excitement about that. Do you remember when the Lord fulfilled promises in your life? See, a story like this that we just saw, I can just resonate it with us so much because, again, for those who have been here, you know that this, this, this story and the challenge that Cindy and I had, not being able to conceive and have children for 10 years until the Lord supernaturally fixed what was broken. There's an old joke in many families. It's a tradition to name a new baby after a relative in the family who most recently passed away, but that's not always a good idea. Just ask my sister, Uncle Fester. It just doesn't always work. <laughs> Names in the Bible, they have great significance. The naming of a child not only is meant to identify the individual, it also carries with them destiny, character traits, and rich symbolic meaning. In the video we saw Zachariah share with Elizabeth the name of their promised child, and it would not be the last time he would write his son's name down for others to see. When family and friends assembled for this exciting birth, they assumed, as did Elizabeth in the video, that the naming of the firstborn son would follow the Jewish tradition. They assumed that his name would be Zachariah. After his father, however, this special child would both fulfill and spoke prophecy while extending hope would be given another name. His name would be John. And we can read that this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be jumping around in there a little bit this morning. We'll start at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight year, days old, they all came out for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What they explained this is no one in your family by that name. So they used, he used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted his name to be. And he motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again and began praising God. And awe fell on the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread through the Judean hills. And everyone who had heard what had happened, uh, everyone who had heard it about it, reflected on these events and asked, "What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him, in a special way." Each of the names of his family and these three rich significance helps shape our story. The name Zachariah means God remembers. The name Elizabeth means. God is my oath, and John means God has been gracious. God indeed remembered his promise and the prayers of his servant, Zechariah. God did make an oath to his servant, Elizabeth, and God sent a messenger to share the words of assurance with Zechariah in the temple. See, the promises of God has the power to act itself. God's word to Zechariah and Elizabeth has the power sealed with an unbreakable oath that would come to fruition through Elizabeth. The oath was fulfilled when John was born. Indeed, God has been gracious, just as the name of John claims in this definition. 
But there was a long waiting period. For this couple, for couples, there's sometimes long waiting periods for us as individuals. We pray for things and we're just like God and, and the Holy Spirit deposits something deep into our spirits. And I think, you know what, we're so used to microwave society that we want something and we want it now and when it doesn't happen, all of a sudden we become discouraged or we're like, Lord, I thought you really deposited that, my, in that deep into my heart, but sometimes it takes years for God to be able to deliver on the promise or answer and our role is to knock and petition and to seek the Lord. In the Old Testament, Sarah and Abraham had a child, Isaac, and when the Lord told them where they're going to give birth to a son, they were old in the natural, it wasn't possible, for Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was in her 90s. In fact, that when Sarah heard what had happened, the Lord, uh, she started laughing about the conception. And the angel says, well, why is Sarah laughing? And she tried to hide it, but she was laughing because of her disbelief. Man, put yourself in that situation. We prayed and prayed and prayed for children. It's kind of like, okay, now we're done. And if you remember Nadine's testimony there, she shared a, little, a couple weeks ago, she had this dream that Cindy and I had a baby. It's like, no, 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 no. We're done. We're done. But if all of a sudden the Lord says, you know what, son, you're going to conceive again, it would be like, God, how's that possible, Lord? Lord, what do we do to, prepare, to be able to prepare ourselves for this? Has the Lord spoken something deep into your spirit? Has the Lord challenged you with something that is just so big? And you see, I love that about God. See, we can do things in the natural. It's easy. But in the supernatural, when the Lord challenges us to something that is much, much larger than us, it's like, Lord, how can we ever possibly do this? How does that look in your world? Are you at the place of frustration? Are you at the place where maybe, maybe even a week ago, a month ago, God deposited something into your spirit, and you're like, man, it just, Lord, maybe I misheard you because it hasn't happened. And the Lord is wanting you to pray and pray and see breakthrough. See, I was thinking of different illustrations that I could share to kind of put the explanation mark on this this morning. And of course, that whole story about us and kids, I've, I've shared it before and you've heard it, so I was looking for a new story. And I heard a testimony from a couple who we absolutely love, and they're going to share with us this morning from Sri Lanka. Greetings from Sri Lanka. Michaela, can you say hi? Michaela. Update. We've opened the center as of October, and we've had kids coming every day since uh, the beginning of November, and uh, we've been having lots of fun, and we have about 60 kids registered, but on average, 35 to 40 kids probably show up every day. Um, as a family, we're doing good. Anisha started school, and uh, we're expecting baby number three. And um, Pastor Lance just asked me to share a small story testimony that took place in our lives and for our ministry while we were in Canada in the summer. Uh, there was a church we visited on a Sunday morning. We visited many churches actually that whole summer. 
including you guys, um, but this one church in particular, we had been sharing some financial needs of certain projects that we needed done at the center, like finishing up the kitchen, um, a couple other things. And so we had a certain amount that it added up to. So anyways, after sharing our presentation and sharing this need, um, the pastor challenged the congregation to see if they could try to meet some of those needs. Now we had no idea if they would just cover a little bit of the cost or what, we didn't really know. We had shared it in many churches and hadn't really had any responses yet. Anyways, at the end of the service, as we were just getting in our car, the pastor hands us the envelope and uh, we get in and we drive away. And as we're driving there, she's like, I'm curious how much came in for helping this uh, portion of our project out. I'm like, okay, I'll open it. I open it up, I'm like, oh, about 1,007, or 1,005. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, there's another zero on there. So it totaled up to about $15,000, or even a little over 15,000. And our actual target was only to raise about 11. So God surpassed our expectations. He used that church in a mighty way to bless us. And yeah, just blew us out of the water, really. And we couldn't really get over it how great God was in that moment for providing for the needs above and beyond that. And you know, there's been multiple times in our lives where God has done that in many uh, ways. And as we've trusted him on the mission field and what he's doing here, even with the center, God has done miracle after miracle in providing for everything we've been doing. And in the midst of it, he provides for us as a family with health and all the things that we're um, asking him for in our time here so hope that challenges you that not with god everything is possible and just trust him even in the small things and usually he blesses beyond our expectations so uh we love you guys hope you're all doing well back there i'm sure it's getting cold we're enjoying the tropics although it's been raining lots and uh <laughs> but we won't complain too much because we know what you guys are about to head into so Blessings. We love you guys. Rinish says hi to the right now. And uh, greetings from us. We'll be sending a newsletter and updates and hopefully a center video very soon to show you guys what's really taking place. And uh, we're very excited that Ben and Melanie are going to be here with us soon. And uh, we're very excited that they'll just be sending a bit of your love our way uh, here for Christmas in Sri Lanka. Alright, love you and blessings. They were standing in the promise. You know, for those of you who've been around for a few years who know Kristen and Nish, you remember there was a time where this whole thing was just a dream. You know what? And there was adversaries that came against them. For those, again, who know Kristen and Nish, know that they built the wall and they're all excited. Then a flood came and took the whole wall out. And it was just like, man... And that's what happens. God deposits things into our lives. And as we trust God, we learn to stand upon the rock. And we learn to grow in what God has for us. But it's not easy. And I think sometimes we just believe that everything that happens, from, if it's from the Lord, it's going to be easy. And that is just a fallacy. See, this couple here lived in a time when barrenness was, was an awful thing. Not that it's not awful now, but it was related with a curse. If you were barren, you walked under the curse of God because you couldn't have kids, and everybody would kind of point that out to you. 
You remember the story in the book of John where the blind man was brought before Jesus and his own disciples posed the question, Rabbi, was this man born blind because of his sins or his parents' sins? And that was just the way things were. When something happened, it was just like, well, that's obviously because they have sin in their life that, that this man was born blind. Well, obviously they have sin in their lives because they can't, commit, they can't conceive a child. So God's mad at them. God is punishing them. And the Lord had to, to, to correct his own disciples and set them straight and say, neither. This man was born blind so God could be glorified. And God deposits things into our hearts that will bring glory to him, things that we can't accomplish in the natural, but through the supernatural, God can be glorified. Man, you have to understand, like, with the whole being part of a Pentecostal church and a Pentecostal minister, I was fairly new to the Pentecostal circle. I gave my life to Christ in grade 10, and then I, I walked in there, but that whole thing with prophecy and, and the whole uh, prophetic type of thing, that really came later on in my life. And I remember going to a conference, and there was a guy there, some of you may know him, named um, Bob Jones. And Bob Jones is a very prophetic man and one of, those, one of those scary type of men that the Lord speaks to him, and it's just like, whoa. I had never heard of Bob Jones in my life. I went to the conference because Dennis Weedrick was there, and I loved him. And Dennis knew the struggles that we were going through with not having a child. And he said to me, he says, Lance... I'm going to give you a gift today. I said, okay. He says, I want you to take Bob back to his hotel. And he says, and I want, I'm, I checked with Bob, and I'm going to allow you to ask him one question, whatever question you want, and the Lord is going to answer you. He says, you can ask him whatever you want. He says, but I suggest that you talk to him about having kids and what the Lord is saying about that. I'm like, all right. And I'm thinking, I don't even know who this old guy is. I'm like, I think you just want me to drive him back to the hotel for free labor. That's all I'm thinking. So Bob Jones gets in my car, and I'm driving him back, and we're talking to him. And, and I said, so uh, how you doing today, Bob? And Cindy elbows me. Whack! I'm like, what? She goes, that might be your question. <laughs> and I'm like, if that's my question, who cares? Like, I don't care. Like, if God has ordained this, he's ordained this. If not, then not. You know what? Whatever. So we get out of the car, and he says, so you've got a question for me. I said, yeah. I said, Bob, we, we're around year seven, maybe year eight. I'm like, we, we can't have kids. And for the beginning time, through medical doctors, we felt that the problem was with me. So... So we said to him, we're unable to have kids, and um, we just want to know if that's going to ever happen. Because it's looking more and more like it's not. And he says, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. He says, but what you need to do is you need to pray for your wife because her tubes are blocked, and the Lord wants to supernaturally heal her. And I go, oh, you're sweet. But the doctor said, the, the problem's with me. Now, the, of course, we kind of stopped there. We didn't even look at my spouse. So we, I said, you know what? And he goes, no, no, no. You, you, you. Now, again, for you to know who Bob Jones is, I, I said, no, 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 that's not it. It's, it. it's with me. He goes, no, no. He's so sweet. He's like, no, no. 
the problem's with your wife. And the Lord's telling you to pray for her right now. And I said, no, no, it's not. <laughs> like, you're not listening to me. The problem is with me. And, and you know what? Maybe we can pray for me and God's going to heal me. And he says, no, the problem's with your wife. You need to pray for your wife and God wants to heal her. And I said, no. It's not. It's, it's with me. And then all of a sudden, nice Bob Jones turned to mean Bob Jones. <laughs> he says, look, the Lord told me the problem is with your wife. Now pray for her, and God's going to heal her right now. I'm like, fine. He says, listen, you're not getting it. He says, the doctor may have said that there's a little bit of problem, but it only takes one sperm, and you're fine. So pray for her. I'm like, all right, Fine. So I prayed for her, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hits my wife, and she starts laughing, and she's laughing and laughing, and she's falling over in the car, and I pick her up and put her back in the car, and I'm like, what is your, I've never seen this in my life. I'm like, what is your problem? And she's laughing and laughing, and I said, good night, Bob. I'm like, thanks a lot. <laughs> and she's laughing and laughing, and I drive back to pa pick up this other pastor that we went to this conference with, and and, and he comes, and he opens up the door to get in, and Cindy falls out of the car and rolls on the parking lot. And, I'm, and he's just like, what happened to you guys? I'm like, I don't know, because I didn't know. But see, supernaturally, she felt this, this healing heat enter into her body, and it was not too long after that that God granted us the desires of her heart. God takes us on a journey, and, and why God used that venue in our life, I don't know. Why, why Jesus spat in mud and put it on the disciples' eyes, I don't know. Cindy asked the Lord one day, he says, Lord, why would you do that? Like, why would you? You could have just said, you know what? Go, sin no more, you've been healed. We've seen it happen before, but Jesus seems to use different venues every single time he heals someone. Why is that? I totally believe because he wants people to know that I don't, I'm, there's not a pattern to it. There's not a formula, A plus B equals C, and as long as we do this, then we get what we want. He's not a genie where we rub a bottle and all of a sudden, poof, he is the Lord of hosts. And when he deposits something deep in our spirits, guess what? Take it to the bank and cash the check. Because he's told you that it's going to happen. But sometimes it's a journey that happens for us. And in that journey, we learn faith and we learn persistence and we learn fervency in prayer. See, if we got everything that we wanted right now, right now, right now, I think we would be probably sought after. We would become a spectacle. We would become someone that people's like, come into my church, come, I'll pay you, I'll do this. And all of a sudden, the focus turns off the Lord and it turns on to us because we have that genie power. But the Lord wants us to bring each one of us to this place where we can't trust ourselves because in the natural, it's impossible. But in the supernatural, all, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength.
And there's unfulfilled promises in this room. There are people in this room who have given up on promises that have been spoken by the Lord because you cannot see it ever coming into fruition because you've waited for years and nothing has happened. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you sweep over this place and stir deep into our hearts those things that are yes and amen and bring them back to life what have we have forgotten about and what has once been dead. I ask, Lord, by the Spirit of God that you would just bring forth a remembrance of things that we can go back in prayer on and say, Lord, I'm believing for miracles. I'm trusting you because in the natural it's no, but in the supernatural it's yes and amen. In the name of Jesus. That is prophecy. Walking in this place and speaking to what isn't as it is. As we press into the presence of God and we get closer and closer to the Lord, the Lord starts to mold and shape and shift and form because He is the potter and we're the clay but we are so accustomed to listen to the father of lies and we give up. It's like a football game and we carry the ball and we're stopped on the one-yard line and say this is never going to happen and we put the ball down and walk off the field. And the Lord is like, son, daughter, you're so close. Push through. Press through. Because my promises are yes and amen. Well, what happens if it wasn't the Lord? What happens if it's just me? <laughs> See, the Bible says that God will give us the desires of our hearts. And when our desires line up with the will of God, you know what? Maybe I, I say, you know, God, I just really, you're going to make me a millionaire. And I'm going to have my Corvette. Hallelujah. Well, maybe that's a selfish prayer. Maybe like, like the Lord is like, I, I don't have that for you. And I can pray it all I want, and I can, I can do whatever I want, but it's not something that is aligning with Scripture. When it aligns with Scripture, and all of a sudden it's like, Lord, you know what? You want to make me a millionaire, God, because, Lord, I believe that I want to fund the kingdom of God to the best of my ability. All of a sudden there's a, something switches where it's not about me, but it's about the kingdom. And the Lord is, is, is placing that deep into my spirit so that I can be a steward of that and step out in faith. And you know what? He starts to challenge us with those small things first, doesn't he? And as we're found faithful with those small things, and again, with finances, finances, I remember a time in my life where, where I was in Bible college and Cindy and I were married and I was making... $7 an hour at a restaurant, and I was working part-time making really nothing. And Cindy was a hairdresser, and she was making 30000 a year. And the two of us were living life, and Cindy would say, you know, Lance, I just, I just really feel like I want to give this student 50 bucks." And I'm like, oh, honey, $50? Are you crazy? We don't have $50 to give, and we, we'd have fights after fights after fights over finances until finally I'm just like, Lord, 
Help me not to be stingy, God. But help me to be generous. And all of a sudden, those $50 gifts became nothing to $100 gifts to $1,000 gifts where it's just like, Lord, this is just, I believe that you're asking me to do this, God. Now, will I ever be a millionaire? No. Why? Because God hasn't told me that. That's not my role. I was just using that as an example. But God has given me many things and I've hidden them deep into my spirit and deep into my heart, things that haven't come into fruition yet, that I can press in and say, God, I'm trusting you with everything. Luke 1.5 says, when Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. See, this couple came from a lineage of priests. They would have been highly regarded in Jewish traditions, yet both experienced a deep sorrow. One that would nag at them and would subside for the barrenness was a constant reminder of failure in their culture. Little did they know that their destinies would be entangled with their meanings, their name meanings. Elizabeth meaning God is my oath. God would promise her a son. Elizabeth was about to join the ranks of her ancestors who also had stories of infertility that were turned around by the Lord. Sarah and Hannah were two other infertile women who miraculously gave birth in old age. Hannah's story is found in 1 Samuel, and Sarah is in Genesis. See, Sarah's womb was no longer an area of shame, but now it was the promise of an amazing miracle, a place where life had been housed and come forth. The same would soon happen for Elizabeth, as God promised her that life would come from her womb as it did from Sarah's. Later in his letter to Galatians, Apostle Paul would compare such a conception to a resurrection from the dead. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry it loud. You who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who have a husband. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. And that's in Galatians 4, 27 to 28. God answers the prayers and cries out for this couple, but he did so much more than just fulfilling their promise, didn't he? He also gave a gift to every one of us. With the birth of John, the Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled and everyone announcing the coming of the Savior. Isaiah 40 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of God. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. Malachi 3.1 says, look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of your covenant, whom you look so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord, heaven's armies. With the birth of John, everyone would soon be able to celebrate with the coming of a Savior. We all get to enjoy that gift because of what happened 2,000 years ago. Let's continue their story in Luke chapter 1, verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. And as a custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was burning, a great crowd stood outside. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. 
God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you're going to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be, fulfilled with the Holy, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Ha <laughs> ha, there's something for you. Is it important to pray over your baby in the womb? He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit of, the, of power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It is he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you're going to be silent, unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Have you ever been sent to your room as a child? See, I remember... Um, my, my father just passed away, and I, and I got a story from all of the kids that they kind of remembered dad that I got to share at the eulogy. And my sister Nicole reminded me of a story that I shared at the eulogy of a time when my father punished her and I. We did something wrong, and he made us go into a room, and I was in one corner, and she was in another corner, kneeling in the corner. How many people have had to kneel in the corner? The rest of you were not loved. So I'm kneeling in the corner, and Nicole's kneeling in the corner, and I think to myself, this is stupid. You know what? I'm not kneeling in this corner. You can't make me kneel. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go use the washroom. And Dad can't get mad at me. I'm using the washroom. i got to go. My bladder was going to explode. So I went to the washroom, and I just kind of walked around, and then all of a sudden I heard with my spider senses. I heard my father coming, and I went right back to the corner. I got in the, back in the corner. Dad peeks in the room. He goes, Good job, Lance. You can go. Nicole, five more minutes for slouching. And I'm like, yes! Have you been punished as a kid? Zachariah kind of gets the raw end of the deal, doesn't he? Gabriel appears and says, you're going to be a daddy. Our man Zachariah says, how can this be? I'm an old man. When Gabriel says, fine, you don't get to speak until your baby is born. But just a chapter or so later, Gabriel, same angel, says to Mary, you're going to be a mama. And Mary says, how can this be? I don't even have a husband. And she gets a free choir performance from a heavenly host. That ain't fair. But all of God's words can, could and should be believed to come true in their appropriate time from beginning to end. God is our author, the story that leads to salvation, deliverance, and rescue from all people who call upon his holy name. This is what Christmas is all about. It's about the arrival of God, following through on the promises of an oath to bring a deliverer, a Messiah. He's bringing a people who are in darkness into a new day of marvelous light. But I think too often we ask, why God? Why? Seems like even when we put our faith in God's plans, we'll still say, when God, when? We don't like to wait, do we? We want everything now, 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 now. You ever found yourself at a commercial break? You're watching your favorite television show, and it's all of a sudden it's like, okay, commercial break. I want popcorn. And you run upstairs, and you grab the pack, and you throw it in the microwave, and you're like, come on, come on, come on. And you're listening downstairs, and all of a sudden it comes on again. And you're like, come on, pop! Because we want it now. And it's in the microwave for what, two and a half minutes? So when all of a sudden the Lord does something and percolates it inside of our lives and takes years, 
It could be a painful process. We want it all. We want it all now. God makes us wait. Things happen in God's timing, not in our own. Simeon, he's told to sit in front of a temple and wait because eventually he's going to see the baby uh, born to be the Messiah. Elizabeth and Sarah had to wait to have children until they were very old women. Can you imagine running after a five-year-old when you're 100 years old? Tom Petty sings this song, The waiting is the hardest part. Day you see one more card, you take it faith, you take it to heart, for the waiting is the hardest part. Some of us in this room, we've been waiting and wondering, is this ever going to happen? Remember, the promises of God are yes and amen. So after Zechariah receives the message and sign of silence from Gabriel, he makes his way back out to the crowd of people who are gathering, wondering what's going on inside. The concern and impatient the crowd then starts in Luke 21, 22. It says, and the people were waiting for Zechariah and were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and he realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them, to, remain, uh, to them and remain mute. A collective sigh was heard over the crowd because Zechariah exited, followed by a collective gasp when they realized that he was mute and he had some kind of vision. Zechariah did his best without voice to explain what had happened. According to verse 23 and beyond, he ultimately finished his week of duty and then returned back home. Can you imagine the interpretive dance that this man would have had to do? Come on up and help me. Oh, yeah. Come on up here and help me. I, I want you, I want, like, you're mute, and you got to explain to the crowd. Come on up, come on up. I'm actually serious, yeah. Okay. So I need to read something here, and I want you, nobody, I'm going to read it in a language that they don't understand. But you, under, you understand it. So we need, to, we need to tell the people this. Okay, you ready? So you, you shouldn't have, yeah. Okay, so you're Zachariah. All right, you ready? So Okay. I was in the temple praying, see, and when I was just lighting the candles and the incense, I was getting everything set up for worship, when this really big angel appeared. Good, good. He looked like a ghost. <laughs> and he told me that God was happy, and that I was going to be a daddy. And when I said it was impossible, he made it so that I couldn't speak. I won't be able to be, I won't be able to, uh, to speak until my baby is born. My wife is not going to believe me when I get home. But I'm going to risk it anyways. <laughs> See, did you guys get that? <laughs> Give her a hand. That's awesome. Verse 23 says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home, and soon afterwards his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she explained. He has taken away from me disgrace of not having children. See, our video that we saw picks up after verse 23 where Zechariah is home trying his best to share with his wife the word that took place. Elizabeth's sadness and shame and stigma soon would come to an end, Zachariah's silence would be broken with a song that would later on be known as the Benedictus. The prophet of the Most High would be a cousin and forerunner to the Most High God to come, deliver his people just as God has promised. One of my favorite verses in the Bible 
is found in Ephesians 3.20. And I'm going to read it to you this morning, Ernie, if you'd come. I'm going to read it to you this morning from the message. It says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. My friends, we need to understand the timing of God. Because if you remember, the word says that we see in part. None of us have the whole picture. So for this couple here, they were so excited that they got to have a son, got to have a baby. But the baby was, was totally the icing on the cake, but yet the whole other part was he was preparing the way for the Savior. It was so much bigger than just a baby boy. It was a messenger. It was none other than John the Baptist. There's no other man like John. And the Lord orchestrates this and plans this such, in such an amazing way that we get to read about and see the story as a whole. And sometimes when we're wrestling with something that the Lord has given us, we're like, God, why? Why is this not happening, God? Lord, I really feel that you've placed this deep within my spirit. I really sense, God, that you've put this inside of my heart. But God, I've not seen this come into fruition. What is our role? Our role is to trust, believe, pray, seek the face of God, and just say, Lord, I trust that your timing is perfect. You know, I really truly believe that if we had have had kids 10 years earlier when we wanted them, there may have been benefits to that. You know what? Dad was a wild, crazy party and just go, go, go and a little spastic. And I think people like Mackenzie would be like, Dad is awesome. And, but there's a time where your children grow and all of a sudden that spastic behavior is not cool anymore. But it's like, Dad, you're being annoying and you're embarrassing me. And somehow that changes. But now, Dad is a little bit more calm and a little more even keel. But yet there's a depth and spirit that dad didn't have back 10 years ago. And there's an opportunity to be able to teach and train and raise up children in an environment of blessing, which would not have happened 10 years ago. And you know what? They may miss out on the, come on, guys, let's go do this. Come on, come on. But I believe that my children are receiving a faith in God that is so deep that I never had when I was a kid. And I believe that kids who grow up in an atmosphere of praise and an atmosphere of the presence are kids who become world changers. And I believe that the Lord is orchestrating things for my children to be able to do great things because I think as parents, every one of us in this room want our kids to know Lord, may my ceiling be their floor. 
And I believe in the supernatural that my children are already at that place where they're on my ceiling. And I'm trying to push them to a place in God that I've never been before. And I'm so thankful to the perfect timing of our Father. Now, back years ago, there was anger, and there was tears, and there was frustration. And there's like, Lord, what have I done wrong, God? God, do you hate me? Like, there just comes a time in your life when you're married that that everyone's like, so when are the kids coming? 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 But after you've been married for a, a certain amount of time, they just kind of stop asking. And when you hit that, it's like people stop asking because they're like, oh, maybe there's a problem. And you start to walk in guilt and you stop to walk in shame, but yet Romans 8, chapter 1 says there's no guilt nor condemnation through Christ Jesus. So if you're here this morning, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart promises. This morning, I want you to take away that the promises of God are yes and amen. And that we have to trust in his timing, saying, God, your timing is perfect. Because I believe sometimes things will, will surpass even our time here on the earth. Because we see in part and we don't understand everything that will happen. But when we know that God is a good God, we know what the enemy is meant for evil, that God will use for good, and we know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, we have a supernatural confidence to stand in that place and say, God, you are good, and I trust you. And this morning, as, as Ernie is going to lead us into that place of praise, if Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and reminding you about a promise that was given to you years ago, days ago, that he wants you to petition in prayer. I just ask you to stand to your feet with me as a supernatural sign to the Lord, saying, God, you've reminded me of this promise. You don't have to tell us what it is, but Lord, you've reminded me of this promise, and God, I'm going to sit in that place this morning. I'm going to stand in that place this morning and say, God, I am going to pray and trust and believe because I know that you're faithful. So would you stand with me? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there's promises all over this place. God, unfulfilled promises. The promises of God are yes and amen. And Lord, I just ask God that again, you just sweep over this crowd. And Lord, just remind us of your word that we've hidden within our heart. Remind us, God, of our destiny. Encourage us, Lord, to step out in faith. And encourage us, God, to remain faithful, knowing that your timing is perfect. That, God, you're not mad at us. You're not disappointed with us. That, Lord, we just need to stand in that place and say, God, I don't understand why this hasn't happened yet. I don't understand, Lord, why I haven't received the answer. But, God, I trust 
that, Lord, that you are doing something supernaturally in my life. In Christ's name we ask it. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.